the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And this is one of the major themes in our current series on the ruthless elimination of hurry. Pastor Ben gave us a picture of Shabbat, which means stop. And then the blessings connected with that 24-hour reprieve from the work week. The Sabbath is rooted in God's example of resting on the seventh day after creation, and it's reinforced with the promise of blessings to those who keep it holy. So it's more than just a command. It is a gift. God knew we needed a day of rest. But what happens after we stop? <clears throat> uh, is Sabbath just turning off everything and taking a nap? Is that what God did after creation? <laughs> no. He came into the garden to be with his creation, to commune with Adam and Eve. Uh, tonight, I want to expand on the purpose and meaning of the Sabbath as it's given in Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Let's take a look. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ac uh, ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your date, gates, and your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. We're going to take that <clears throat> portion of Scripture apart and look at the, the main elements in it as we go along. But there's another significant word in this uh, verse that gives another side to the Sabbath. And it's the word nu'ah, the Hebrew word for rest. Nu'ah. So now, let's hear the rest of the story. <coughs> Uh, the, re the restatement of the Sabbath commandment in Deuteronomy 5 has some important distinctions uh, from the form in Genesis and Exodus. The theme here is freedom, and it gives direction on how we can keep the Sabbath. First of all, resist. Sabbath is an act of resistance, and keeping the Sabbath tells the world that we will not bow down to our culture. We will only bow to our God, and we will obey him as both our creator and our deliverer. Here is a word that is different from the, the version in Exodus. It's the very first word, observe. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. <clears throat> observe comes from a Hebrew word that means to keep, to observe, to celebrate, and to preserve. Now, in Deuteronomy, Moses is addressing the new generation. Remember, there was the original crowd. After 40 years, they wouldn't go in as they were supposed to, and so God had to let them wander around uh, for 40 years until the next generation came along. And so Moses is talking to them. <laughs> they had never been slaves as their parents and grandparents and great-grandparents had been, and they didn't have actual memories of deliverance. 
So it was important for them to mark the calendars and keep the history for future generations. This wasn't just the old folks' custom. This was to be a perpetual covenant. And there was external motivation. God wanted his people to be free and to stay free and to celebrate their freedom. In Exodus, they were to remember. In Deuteronomy, they were to observe and preserve. So let's look at this uh, motivation that God built into this commandment. Remember the Ten Commandments were the law of the land, punishable by death. Good motivation. Uh, the Ten Commandments represent God's uh, relationship with Israel, and they form the national constitution, the law of the land. So God took the Ten Commandments very seriously. It was his way of setting his people apart from all the other nations. So there in Exodus 31, we, we see this spelled out for us. When the Lord spoke to Moses, he said, Surely my Sabbath you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. It was to be passed on, that you may know I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Uh, and then looking on down this verse, he said, everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. Surely. Ooh. For whoever does any work in it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. So the work was to be done in six days, and then they were to rest and make that day holy to the Lord. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe, there's that word again, throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. So God is laying out the parameters there of this. And <laughs> that was pretty strong motivation, the death penalty. You know, it's easier to keep uh, the Sabbath when everybody else is doing it, and it's the law of the land. <laughs> a little bit easier. Uh, when I was working at CBN Radio as a talk show host, believe it or not, I had the privilege of going to Israel as a guest of the Ministry of Tourism. And in northern Israel on Friday night, sunset, I remember a blanket of peace just settled over the land. And the shops all closed at 4 o'clock. The traffic stopped. And people were calling out to each other, Shabbat Shalom. Have a peaceful Sabbath. You could literally feel the calm. That's not where we are. The world around us dictates productivity. We live in a culture of work that never stops, cities that never sleep, hurry, noise, distraction, discontentment, and self-induced slavery. Eddie and Rogers put it this way. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. How do we keep Sabbath? in the 21st century, especially in an achievement-oriented culture in America. You must resist the culture. The key is resistance. Now, if your spouse is not keeping Sabbath, your friends, including church friends, are not keeping a Sabbath. If your community is not keeping Sabbath, if your culture is not keeping Sabbath, you're on your own. And you can't force your convictions on anybody else. But you can resist the norms and set boundaries that you can control, which is yourself. <coughs> so it's a personal choice. 
It's a covenant between you and God. So pick your day, sunset to sunset, 24 hours. You have to create your own Sabbath. How do we interpret the law for today? Again, you're going counterculture. You have to keep that in mind. How can we resist the demands of our culture and at the same time resist stepping into legalism? Well, here's some basic strategies. Number one, food preparation. And uh, we've suggested this before. You have to plan ahead. No food shopping, cooking, baking, eating out, door dash, or pickup. Why? Don't make food people your servants. We're supposed to release everybody we can to enjoy a day of rest. So don't make them your slaves. Okay, then travel. Unnecessary business trips, trips to the mall, cancel it. Commerce, buying and selling, Amazon shopping. That's commerce too. <coughs> Cut it out, <laughs> at least one day. And then pleasure, the secular pleasure, sports, screen time, secular entertainment, turn off the devices, and labor. Well, that's what you do the other six days, so forget about it. Take a Sabbath. Appointments, most things can wait. So you have to plan your Sabbath. But if you've eliminated the busy stuff, you now have room to do what? To worship, feast, fellowship, and have family activities that promote relaxation and rejuvenation. As you can see, this requires a shift in our thinking. It's like you're speeding down the interstate, and all of a sudden, you have to stop. Screeching, sudden, stop. I remember the, the first night a few months ago we started this. We lit our Sabbath candle, and uh, we said our little prayer, and then for a moment, we just stood there and looked at each other. <laughs> what do we do now? We've stopped. <laughs> You have to adjust to this. You have to get used to it. Um, but when we begin to see God's true purpose in the Sabbath, we can start embracing this gift and experiencing its liberating power. Keep in mind, the purpose of the Sabbath is to enjoy freedom, not invent new forms of bondage. Uh, the religious leaders made that mistake. And by the time Jesus came, uh, Sabbath was more of a burden than a blessing. He had to break that off. The day is holy because it's different. It's separated from the rest. It's like celebrating Christmas once a week. Who wouldn't want to do that? Now, people who work from home have special challenges. They can't walk away from an office and leave their work and then go home to the sanctuary and relax. Their work stays with them, and it's taunting them. It's calling them back to the unfinished proje projects. What do you do? Well, if you have a separate room and you work at home, just close the door and leave it shut for 24 hours. That's easy. But if your office is part of your living space where you can't help looking at it, I have a tip for my niece. She's single and she lives in a tiny house, just 500 and some square feet, just a living area and a bedroom. And she works for a publishing company full-time doing editing, typesetting, and supervision of staff. 
her office is on one side of that open room. But on Friday, when the work week ends, she has learned to pull the curtain hiding her office. Do we have a picture of that? Where's the picture of the curtain? See, oh, oh, I was looking back there. Oh, there it is. That is her curtain. And she just walks away. Everything's behind that curtain. And she enjoys her Sabbath. Goes out to eat, visits her family nearby. And her Sabbath, she told us, for this week is going to be featuring soft music, a fire in the fireplace, and something to read. Turning her mind to other things, <coughs> other than what's behind the curtain. It's a slowing down, a quieting, breathing. And by the end of the weekend, she's refreshed, centered, and ready to go back to the workspace. Now, this has to be intentional, but it can be done. To observe the Sabbath, Israel had to resist the habits of the nations around them. And we have to do the same. The next thing we want to look at is God's word, remember. There are some things God never wants us to forget. He said, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And that your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This word remember means to mark, to be recognized, to mention, to bring to remembrance. This is the main difference from the Exodus version of the commandment. There, creation was the reason to remember. Here, it's slavery and freedom. Remember who you are. God is saying, you're no longer slaves. Never forget that. Who you were, where you came from, your identity as an individual and as a nation. This was Israel's declaration of independence. This is what the Ten Commandments stood for. Personal and national identity. The first three commandments declare who God is. They give us his identity. He's above all other gods. He's not an empty image. He's, his name has power and authority <clears throat> that's to be respected. And then commandment four. This is who we are, who the Israelites were. No longer slaves, a people with freedom and dignity. <clears throat> and the remaining verses, five through ten. This is who Israel was as a nation. If they obeyed in their freedom, they would be a crime-free society. Think about it. No murder, no stealing, no adultery. It would have been crime-free. A society with family stability. A people of peace like no other nation. But the life of a slave, what was it like? What was it like in Egypt? There was no day of rest. No freedom of choice, no time to heal from wounds of the whip, <laughs> constant oversight, objects of cruelty, beatings, no dignity, no remuneration for their labor. They were forced to fill quotas without materials, no straw for their bricks, and no future to look forward to. Now, here's, a, here's an amazing fact about our modern lifestyle. <clears throat> we don't need a taskmaster standing over us, beating us with a whip. We beat ourselves. We beat ourselves over all the things we think we must do and we haven't done. We are our own slave masters. 
we keep ourselves enslaved to mental demands and unrealistic to-do lists. Sometimes it takes me a whole week to do a one-day to-do list. Anyway, <coughs> there's always more than you can do in a day. How did the people become slaves anyhow? Through conquest, nations would go to war just to capture slaves to do their work. And then there was the will of the monarch. Pharaoh looked around and declared, oh, we can't let these people multiply. We'll make them our slaves. And also through debt. When hard times came, people borrowed money and then sold themselves as slaves to repay the debt. We have some parallels in modern times. We become slaves to extra work to pay off credit cards and other debts, debts mainly for a lot of things we don't need. And debt can make us slaves. Proverbs 22.7 tells us the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant or slave for the lender. The loot in our uh, attics and sheds, <coughs> I noticed one day, has a correct correlation to the balances in our credit card. And much is what we either discarded, replaced, don't need anymore. And... Uh <coughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, we live in a culture of more. We always think we need more, more, more. Now, <clears throat> one thing about uh, the Israelites who were slaves, after seven years of service, they could be set free. Sadly, our banks and credit card companies do not share that policy. Another thing they were to remember, <coughs> the miracles of deliverance. They heard their parents talk about it, if they were born yet, <laughs> even if they were too young to remember. <coughs> the night before departure, the death angel, the blood on the doorpost, the hasty meal, the march to the Red Sea, the miraculous parting of the waters, the manna, the water from the rock, the fire and the cloud. God says, you must never forget. He did all of this for his people. Sabbath is a day to remember and rehearse what God has done. And here's an idea of something you can do on the Sabbath. A good Sabbath activity might be to start a journal of remembrance, a testimony to pass down through the family. I saw an interview once where a Jew was being asked about his heritage, and the broadcaster asked rather cynically, you don't believe that story about the Red Sea parting, do you? But the Jew answered with a smile. We're no longer slaves. <laughs> I saw a sign of remembrance in a hotel in Tel Aviv. It was a chandelier. I think we have a picture of the chandeliers here. Here's the chandelier. There it is. Oh, the design was a cascade of crystal chains, and every link in those chains was open, a sign of broken chains and freedom. And it was a symbol I'll never forget. Finally, we come to the, the ultimate purpose for Sabbath, rest. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. And <clears throat> nobody was to work. We've read that scripture before. And the reason was that your male servant and your female servant may rest. And the word there, rest, is new ah. That they may rest as well as you. And that word, new at, means to settle in. 
The rest was for everybody. God had given them rest, and they were to extend its blessing to everybody in the house, children, animals, slaves, and strangers. This was a blessing given to us, so we give it to others. Sabbath was a prelude to the New Testament pattern. In Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. On the Sabbath, the Hebrews were to release everything in their household from work, including their work animals. How does that apply to us? Unless you have a dog that pulls a dog sled, uh, it probably doesn't. <laughs> but we do have work animals and household servants. The washer, the dryer, the vacuum cleaner, all of our labor-saving equipment. What if we gave them a rest on the Sabbath? And all the ladies said, Amen. <laughs> Orthodox Jews do not use electricity on the Sabbath. They don't even brew coffee. Uh, that seems extreme to us, but think of what it would mean to be free from these machines for a day. I'm giving them a rest. I'm all for that. How quiet the house is when you turn off the appliances. When there's stillness, you can hear the voice of God. God's design for the Sabbath is settling in with him. Leaving one room, going into another. Moving from one sphere to another. Coming in for a rest. It's not just that they left Egypt in slavery. God brought them out to bring them in. What were they to do in, as they went into the promised land? They were to claim it, move in, and settle here. Make it your home. They were to remove all idols, destroy all gods, don't accept the customs. And so to settle into our Sabbath, set aside the idols of our culture, the false gods of success, money, earning, spending, buying, selling, pleasure, constant flow of advertisement, all the noise. God lifts the burden of work so we can enjoy his presence out in creation with fellowship, with worship. He calls us to enter into his rest. We find that Sabbath rest that God has promised in the New Testament, in the finished work of Jesus. God finished his work in, seven, in six days, rested on the seventh, calls us to do the same. Jesus finished his work of salvation in six hours on the cross and gave us an eternity to rest with the gift of redemption. We find that rest through Christ, who is our liberator. He's come to bring us into God's kingdom. And as Pastor Matt pointed out on Sunday, Christ inaugurated a new community of freed people. Jesus, our liberator, he came to fulfill the law, and he is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And in him we find freedom from sin, anxiety, want, sickness, demonic oppression, freedom from condemnation. He's our place of true rest and freedom. And he calls us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me all you labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He also brought freedom from the stifling uh, man-made rules of religious ritual. Jesus understood the culture that he was in, but he still healed a man on the Sabbath. He allowed his disciples to pick the grain of the fields when they were hungry. He broke the Sabbath rules, and he was, when he was questioned, this was his response given in the message, Mark 2, 27. The Sabbath was made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. The Son of Man is no yes man to the Sabbath. 
He's in charge. <laughs> so Sabbath does not negate acts of compassion. Go visit the sick. Help a neighbor in need. We honor our God when we do what Jesus did. Um, and hopefully in conclusion here in a matter of a few minutes, keeping Sabbath is an act of faith. I don't have a poem about this, but I noticed that hurry rhymes with worry, and worry is a sign of unbelief, and that rhymes with grief. So I see one coming. The opening chapters of Hebrews uh, tells us about the example of Israel's failure to enter the promised land. That was the place of rest. They didn't go in because of unbelief. They couldn't trust God to take down their enemies. They were afraid to defy the obstacles and claim the promised rest in their new home. And then God said <laughs> they couldn't enter into his rest. Not because, or they couldn't enter in because of unbelief. So keeping the Sabbath is an act of faith. We're believing God can take care of us and help us with the battles on the other six days. It's resting in the knowledge of who he is and what he can do. It's the day to rejoice in the victories and polish our armor for the next battle. We fail to enter in when we don't believe we have time enough to get things done. We feel we won't be ready for the next week's challenges, so we draw back and use the Sabbath for ourselves. But it's the Lord's day. It's his claim on our time. The Jews had to trust the extra manna gathered on the sixth day would not spoil on the seventh. It was faith in God's provision. We have to trust that the item we need will still be on sale the day after Sabbath. We have to trust and believe that the revenue lost on the Sabbath will be made up on the other six days. We exercise faith when we refuse to let these worries overshadow our special day in God's company and with family and fellow believers. We settle in to our day of freedom. So give yourself freedom to stop the rush for one day a week and settle in to peace and rejuvenation. Prepare for the Sabbath with wonder and expectation. He allows rest for all within his house, and we are his sons and daughters. So let's approach the Sabbath with gratitude for all he has done and all he has given. Trust for what we need in the future. Delight in company with him, friends, and family, and contentment with what he has provided, knowing he is more than enough. He calls us to rest in his promise, his provision, and to rest in his love. And now you know the rest of the story. Not the new ah, ah, but the new ah. It's mispronounced, but I love it. Anyway, I want to share a few photos real quickly about uh, our favorite dog, Theo. <clears throat> kind of depicts our progression into the Sabbath. There he is. Now, he is in his, uh, he's in his gated community, we call it. And his activity for the day is done. He has stopped, but he's not really at rest. The next picture shows him in his bed, but he hasn't settled in yet. Those eyes are still open. He's just keeping the rules, okay? But here's Theo on the couch. Notice, he has his freedom. He's happy, and he stopped his activity. He's not jumping, and he's not chewing on the furniture. He's just waiting for a lap to stretch out on, and he'll soon be asleep. 
He has claimed his place of rest and he's sleeping.